The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you again for joining us together unto yourself. Father, we pray for everyone in this place today and everyone joining us over the internet and everyone that will listen to this message. We ask that in all our lives that you do that which eyes have not seen, that which ears have not heard, that which has not even begun to enter into the heart of man. Let your name and your name alone be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise the name of the Lord. Um, today, by the grace of God, we are starting a new series um, titled Help from Above. Help from Above. Now, um, as you are aware, the God Ringing Service is on the 5th of October, and the theme is help from above. However, there's so much, so much in that, that we, we, we cannot unpack it on that day alone. And we need to unpack it over a period of four weeks. In fact, is we are going to start today, part one next week, then uh, the God Ringing Service will have part three, and the week after the God Ringing Service, we'll have part four of Help from Above. Praise the name of the Lord. If you're excited about that, shout hallelujah. Our text for today is 1 Samuel chapter 1, from verse 1 to 20. 1 Samuel 1, 1 to 20. We are looking at the story of Anna. 1 Samuel 1, 1 to 20. Okay, let's have it. First Samuel 1, 1 to 20. Open your Bibles to First Samuel 1, 1 to 20. Many times we get to reliance on the screen. <laughs> First Samuel 1, 1 to 20. Um, the version is NLT. It says, and I read, there was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zoph in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroham, son of Helihu, son of Tohu, son of Zoph of Ephraim. Verse 2, Elkanah had two wives. It was a hmm, two wives. Anyway, hope my wife is not watching. <laughs> I used to tease her. The days when men used to have two wives. Okay, okay, sorry. Verse 2. Elkanah had two wives, Anna and Penina. Penina had children, but Anna did not. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of heaven's armies in the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at the time were the sons of Eli, Ophni, and Phinehas. 
On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he will give portions of the meat to Petnina and each of her children. Verse 5. And though he loved Anna, he would give her only a choice portion. There was a choice portion. Because the Lord had given her no children. So Penina would taunt Anna and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Anna as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Anna would be reduced to tears and would not eat. Why are you crying, Anna? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why are you downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than ten sons? <laughs> Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Anna got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Anna was deep in anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, Lord of hosts, I will, if you will look unto my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. It will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his heir will never be caught. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving, but hearing no word. He thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk? He demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged. And I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked him. I'm praying that the God of Israel will grant the request you have asked him. In the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again. And she was no longer sad. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Anna, the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. For she said, I asked the Lord for him. The Lord bless the reading and the understanding of his words in Jesus' name. Samuel asked of the Lord. Asked of the Lord. The name Samuel in, in, in Yoruba means Samueli, that's all. But in Igbo, 
It means to be chuku, right? Am I correct? That's what they told me. Oh. <laughs> anyway, they said to be chuku means hands of the Lord. Okay, if it's not to be chuku, it's something else that I've forgotten. <laughs> what I'm trying to try to say is that, you know, some languages are more um, detailed than others. Others just take the original and just put E behind it. So, <laughs> Samuel was a child that came from holding God's hand and asking of the Lord. In fact, Samuel is as a result of help from heaven. It's as a result of help from heaven. Anna went through the pain of not having children. And Anna, you know, trusted God and trusted God and year after year after year after year. You know, for some of us, it's not the pain of having literal or physical children. But we are going through a painful situation that has lingered year after year or season after season. For some people, it's, 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 a, it's a drought of, of business ideas. For some people, it's a drought of promotion. For some people, it's, it's in their health. And yet, for some people, it's physical children. But whatever the case may be, the common denominator is pain. Anna knew pain. And she knew consistent pain. And as, as, as human beings, if there's something that we shy away from is pain. We don't want pain. We don't want pain. When we have a headache, in fact, science tells us pain is a, is a pointer that something is wrong. That's what pain is all about. We don't want pain. We, we take painkillers. We, we, we take stronger painkillers. We take yet stronger painkillers. Why? Because we don't want pain. Now, unfortunately, we become addicted to painkillers. And in some cases, unnecessarily. I have a, I mean, a family member, actually, that walks out. When she walks out, when she decides to walk out, which is one long, once in a long time, of course, when you walk out and you've not walked out in a long time, what happens to your muscles and your body? You feel pain. Now, you should allow the pain so that when you walk out again, the pain will be less and your body is fitter until you can walk out and there's no pain. But you know what my family member does? She shacks painkiller. In fact, before she goes to work out, she takes a painkiller. So that when she comes back, you know, she calls it a happy tablet. Sometimes we, in the bid to avoid pain, some pain are just necessary. They are necessary for growth. 
They are necessary for development. They are necessary for, in fact, the breakthrough you, you require of God, the pain you are feeling is a prerequisite to the breakthrough. Ask a pregnant woman. The pain increases and increases until there is a breakthrough. The pain is a prerequisite to breakthrough. It's a prerequisite to breakthrough. And increasingly, the society is making a lot of effort to numb pain. So pain wants to be numbed. So people are getting addicted to painkillers. In the U.S., for instance, this statistic is so scary. 18 women a day die of overdose of painkiller. 18 women a day. And that statistic was 2010. Imagine what's happening in 2014. 18 women die a day. And women are, are, are the highest consumers because of you feel emotional pain, you take painkiller. You feel depression, you take painkiller. You feel abandoned, you take painkiller. You feel sad, you take painkiller. Now, you can sit down there and say, oh, that's the US, that's not Nigeria. No comment. <laughs> we shouldn't allow it to creep into our society at the, at the least, that's the least we can do for ourselves. Parents shield their children from pain. Amazingly, amazingly, parents shield their children from pain. When we were growing up, it's as if my mom was just creating ways to inflict pain on us. <laughs> you know, that was my conclusion, of course, that was not, that's not true. But, you know, you do something wrong, oh, 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 oh. you get whooped. And whooping means whooping. Strangely, parents are the think their responsibility is to shield their children from pain. Think about it. Did you become who you became because you were shielded from pain? You you become you are who you are because you learned how to prevail over pain. Praise the name of the Lord. You learned how to prevail over pain. In fact, jokingly now, you go to a point when somebody does wrong in the house, mom's give them six strokes of the cane. When I do wrong, it has to be 12 or 16. Because six is just a starting point. When you do six, I've not even started moving. I mean, it's, not, it's nothing. I'm like, give, bring it on. But my guess gets to 16. I'm crumbling. And she's not going to stop until you feel the pain. Now, am I saying you should go ahead and keep inflicting pain on your children unnecessarily? No. Absolutely not. But the danger in parents protecting, overprotecting their children. We have children that are 17. They can't take bus from school home. Something must definitely be wrong with that. Why? Because ah, I don't want Molue to splash water on my child. Really? 
at 17. You better go and drop in, in Oshodi. Give him transport money. I say, find your way home or get lost. Now, listen. Your children are smarter than you think they are. They will not get lost. In fact, they will get home before you. <laughs> but unfortunately, we, 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 we protect our, our children from, from pain. We blame everything. In fact, no, no, we're not our culture, but it's increasing in our culture. On bullying. Somebody called your, 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 your son. Bull-legged Lou. And you went to school to fight. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Someone just verbally abused your son. Bull-legged Lou. They say, I want to see the parent of the child that's calling my son Bull-legged Lou. If your son does not know how to prevail over his mates calling him Bull-legged Lou, He's not ready for the world. And the world is a wicked place. The world is a very wicked place. So, we are, not us, but increasingly us, we are, we are raising people, a next generation that is weak. We need to allow them if somebody called me, I mean, we, we got, everybody had a nickname, and every nickname was, you know, Ori. <laughs> you know, they, they, they look at a feature, your body feature, everywhere get belegos. They will just abuse you with it. You take it like a man. If I, you abuse them back. Now, am I saying children should be abused? I said, no. What am I saying? Pain. The child must know how to endure pain. A child wakes up and says, doesn't want to go to school. Why? They're abusing me in class. I can't even tell my mom. How can I open my mouth to tell my mom that? She, before I finish saying it, Now, I know some of you say, oh, Pastor, you are just old school. You know, this is the 21st century. Listen, listen. That's the mistake of the West. The mistake of the West. The East is taking over from the West. The power is shifting. In 20 years' time, the children that will be in charge will either be from Africa or the East. The question is, will your children be strong enough? And I pray they will be. In the mighty name of Jesus. You have someone, I don't know, I, 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 I don't know why I'm just hanging in here. I'm trying to move away, but I can't. You, you have someone that has been in the U.S. Marine. My wife was telling me about that yesterday night, just yesterday night. For... 14 years, this guy is a sniper guy. He's a sniper shooter. He's taking hormones. He says he wants to be a girl. That, since he was small, and they used to call him a girl. 
So something is wrong with that. Something is definitely wrong with that. Praise the name of the Lord. So people don't take responsibility for their lives. You are beating your wife and it's happening in our culture. And you are beating your wife and you sit in front of me and say, Pastor, it was because my, my dad used to beat my mom. I was abused, mentally scarred as a child. Take responsibility for your life. Praise the Lord. Take responsibility for your life. It happens when we raise a generation that are not strong, they are not accustomed to pain. They don't know. In fact, the, the greater, listen, this is not, I don't, I've not proven it, but I can see a lot of things coming together. And I can tell you that the greater you are as a person or as a leader is directly proportional to your capacity for pain. The greater you become as a leader is directly proportional to your capacity for pain. Some 5% of parents in the U.S. want homework to be scrapped. Parents, not children. Parents. Why? Because they don't want to go through the rigors of checking the homework of children, of sitting down with them. They just want to outsource parenting. Sit down behind the TV and watch. And let the TV parent you. It's scary. Now, totally Totally scary. Anna felt pain. Anna knew what it is. And she triumphed over pain. You will triumph over pain in Jesus' name. Your children will triumph over pain in the mighty name of Jesus. Anna felt it. She knew it, and she was not crushed and destroyed by it. Four pains of Hannah. We look at the pains of Hannah, prayer of Hannah, we are done. Four pains of Hannah. The pain that she felt, the first one, is the pain of periodic celebration. You know, that sounds interesting because celebration is something that, that is supposed to bring rejoicing. Am I correct? But, but it was a source of pain for Anna. It's the pain of periodic celebration. So, and you may be going through something in, in your life right now that when it's time for maybe a family gathering, you don't want to go because it's a source of pain for you. Everybody be asking you, where is your wife? Where is your husband? Where are your children? Where is your car? You still came with Legatis Benz. Anna had a pain of periodic. First Samuel 1 3. Each year, Elkanah will travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord God of heaven's armies. And each time, it was a reminder to Anna that something was wrong with her, something was missing in her life. And it was a source of pain. So Anna knew and understood 
periodic pain. That was a periodic pain. The second pain of Anna is the pain of Penina. The pain of Penina. 1 Samuel 1.5 So Penina will taunt Anna and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Anna as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Anna was reduced to tears and would not eat. She knew the pain of Penina. Some of us, we have Peninas in our lives. They taunt you. And they taunt you. Some Peninas, we taunt you to your face. Some Peninas... We taunt you behind you, for you will know they are taunting you. You enter a room, everybody's laughing, and all of a sudden they keep quiet. But you will prevail. You will get help from above. In the mighty name of Jesus. There are peninas. I can give you examples upon examples of peninas. But you can think of them. You know them. They are very popular. Pain number three. The pain of the portion of choice. The pain of the portion of choice. That is the hidden pain. In verse 5, it says, And though he loved Anna, he would give her what? Only one choice is like double portion. Portion. Because the Lord had not given her children. He gave the other one portions. He reserves the best portion for Anna. Even though it's one, but it's a choice portion. And Anna knew the only reason they are giving me this choice portion Because I don't have children. You, you, you get into a place in life where people begin to give you privileges. That you know because the only reason they're giving you the privileges is because you are handicapped. They, they say this is a special parking place for... Disability. You see, I don't want to start mentioning some specifics. But they give you special portion. Unfortunately, a lot of us rejoice in special portions. Anna knew the pain. Because she wouldn't eat. She wouldn't eat it. She knew the pain of special portion. Pain number four. Is the pain of personal fulfillment. Or rather, the lack of it. The pain of personal. She just wants to be a mother. She just wants to have her own child. And Elkanah, you know some people, they are trying to, to um, help you, but they end up rubbing in the wood. 
you know. And Hannah came and said to Anna, why are you crying, Anna? And he went ahead and answered his own question. But she didn't answer him. Why aren't you eating? Why are you downhearted? Just because you don't have children? Don't you have me? Isn't that better than having ten sons? And then I would say, you think I'm a fool? <laughs> and this are well-meaning people. Of course, they kind of loved her. I mean, well-meaning people. But she felt the pain still. So the question is, what pain are you feeling? And I went through the periodic pain. She went through pain in her pain. She went through the pain of choice portion. She went through the pain of lack of personal fulfillment. We need to learn from Anna this morning. How did she overcome the pain? Anna did not allow the lame consolation of Elkanah, I call it lame consolation. The lame consolation of Elkanah to dampen our hunger and our longing for it. You know, sometimes you see people, they, they, they say they, they, they are going through so much pain, they are trusting over something, and they have no passion for it. None. Maybe a little. Listen, I've seen someone that doesn't have a child, physical baby. She's not happy she doesn't have a child. But I didn't see the passion of Anna that they have a child. And I saw another lady as their pastor, their pastors, both pastors of two people. She had three children or four children. She wanted a fifth child. Fifth child or fourth child, I can't remember now. Fourth, fourth child. She wanted a fourth child. If you see a passion for a fourth child, my goodness. I was like, this woman has three already. This one doesn't have anything. See this one. Pastor, pray. Pastor, I'm agreeing. Pastor, I am sowing this seed. Pastor, I am. I'm like, madam, you have to. I did say it too. But I'm like, And last week, I had to just give birth to a baby boy. And there was another one, doesn't have anyone. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. No, no, listen, I'm not abusing anybody. What am I saying? You need to hunger for what you want from God. Period. Even the anointing cannot be delivered without hunger. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. Anna did not allow the lame consolation of Elkanah to dampen her pursuit. Anna did not allow the portion of choice, deceitful portion of choice, to dampen her and make her to begin to eat. Some people are trusting God for something. We are fasting. Then I walk. I will not give myself. I will not give myself. 
not hold God's hand for just 21 days and see everyone respond? Are you so satisfied? Praise the name of the Lord. How desperate are you? Anna refused to allow even the persecution of Penina to stop her. She refused. So how did she? First Samuel 1 9. How did she get through it? Oh, first Samuel 1 9. It says, once after the sacrifice sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Anna did what? She got up and went to pray. Everybody, let's read together. Anna got up and went to pray. You see, a time will come in everybody's life when you need to get up. You need to get up from the midst of Penina and just face heaven. You need to get up from the midst even of Hercanas of the world, the ones that really love you, but they can't provide the solution for you. And face heaven. You need to get up from the midst of the choice portion and face heaven. The time came, Anna got up. You see, I, there's something about prayer. I, 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 I'm the first to admit, I don't fully know how prayer works. But I know it works. I don't fully understand how prayer works. Honestly, I've been praying for since I can remember. And I've seen God move through prayer since I can remember. But I really don't understand how prayer works. But you see, I really don't need to understand how prayer works. I just need to know if I pray, it will work. How many women here understand the technology behind microwave oven? Let me see your hands up. No, none of you, Seth. I thought I would say one or two. Now, how many people worry that because I don't understand this technology called microwave, I can't put my food inside. Did that even ever cross your mind? What do you do? Put the food inside, set the time, set the heat, boom! You know it's going to come out hot, right? It's the same with prayer. Don't be discouraged. It's the same with prayer. It's going to work. It's going to work. Some food just need two minutes. Some need eight. Some need 15. But it's going to come out. Yes, it will. And it's going to come out hot. And Anna seemed to, for once, under, she understood that immediately. <laughs> I want to say to you, wherever you are in your life journey, you need to get up and pray. Wherever you are. You may be in a good place. You may be in a hard place. You may be in a so-so place. Not so good, not so hard. But wherever you are, you need to get up and pray. We are starting preaching this week. The upper week, we're going to start the videos. Every day, we're going to be having videos. I hope you're excited about that. 
Because I am. You need to get up and pray, regardless of wherever you are in your life. My grandmother used to say, you know, my famous grandmother, she used to say, something, if something is good, it needs prayers. If something is not good, it also needs prayers. So you think you have a good life? It needs prayers. Why? Pray so that you won't have to pray. Fast so that you won't what? Have to fast. So that you won't have to fast. Hallelujah. So there comes a time in every man's life that you need help from above. So how did Anna get help from above? How did Anna get help from above? Of course, we mentioned it already. She got up and she prayed. But we are going to x-ray our prayer. And I'm skipping some content. <laughs> because I just want to get to the bottom line and, and move on. I'm saying that for the benefit of the media guys. The prayer of Anna. The first thing we realize about the prayer of Anna is Anna's fervency. I touched on that already. Anna's fervency. From verse 9, it says, Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Anna got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Anna was deep in anguish, crying bitterly. Everybody said crying bitterly. As she prayed to the Lord. Verse 12. As she was praying, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving, hearing no words, no sounds. And he concluded that what? She has been drinking. Anna you see, your passion shows up in your prayer. How passionate you are about something shows up in your prayer. I know some people will say, oh, but Pastor, God sees my heart. I don't need to, I don't need to shout. I don't need to, I'm not necessarily saying you shout. But you should be passionate. But it's difficult to be passionate and not shout in prayer. But please be passionate. But Pastor, what if, what if I'm able to just be cool. And God is hearing me. And I'm communicating my heart. Yes, I'm not saying God is not hearing me. God is hearing God hears everybody. <laughs> the story of a two men came to church. One a very rich man. And one didn't have a lot of money. And the one that didn't have a lot of money was praying loud. Father, 100,000 naira. Oh, I die. 100,000 naira. Oh, I die. I need to pay school fees, oh God. And the rich man is trying to concentrate and, you know, pray. This guy is stopping me now. <laughs> After a while, he said, oh God, take 100,000 naira. <laughs> and go. Who got this prayer? I start first. <laughs> 
But, but seriously, seriously, seriously. We have to put our passion on display. Not for anybody. But for our God. But for our God. Parents, think about it. You have two children. One is saying, Mom, carry me. And one shouts as if she's going to die. Which one will you carry quickly before th- without even thinking? The one that shouted. <laughs> Doesn't mean you love him more, love her more. Sometimes, sometimes, I'm, I know God is bigger than that, but sometimes it boils down to how passionate you are. And I've heard arguments. Some people say, oh, but Anna did not pray out. The Bible says that we did not hear our voice. And I say, read your Bible well. If Eli sat down and watched Anna from a distance and he didn't hear his voice, I'm not saying he did, but his conclusion was she was drunk. These people that say that Anna didn't say a word, so they will not talk when they're praying. When you look at them, you think they're sleeping. When Eli saw Anna, his conclusion was, this one is not, is she, dead? Is she sleeping? No. When Eli saw Anna, his conclusion was what? She was drunk. So even though he wasn't hearing anything, and I was, maybe, I don't know. Maybe she was, I don't know. Maybe it was more dramatic than that. But a passion was on display. A passion was on display. In fact, some school of thought says that what happened to Anna actually is what happened to children that they used to circumcise in the crude way back in the day. That when you cut the foreskin of a baby boy, the boy cries and shouts, right? Then, as if that is not bad enough, you now take iodine. And now, the nurse will now splash it on the kokoro. They say that the boy sound become inaudible. He shouts to the point that maybe it's past the frequency of hearing of human beings. I've been on see people cry and they're like, nothing is coming out. But you can see the anguish of that was where Anna was. So don't use Anna for your prayerlessness. Anna crossed the boundary of pain. And the second thing we see is Anna's vow. So we've seen Anna's fervency. The second is Anna's vow. Anna (laughs) made this vow, verse 11 says, O Lord God of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. It will be yours for his entire lifetime and as a sign that he has been dedicated to you, his heir will never be cut. Now listen, a vow is not a covenant. A vow is not a covenant. A vow is a promise. And a vow is done by just one party. A covenant is two parties. When 
two parties, two vows coming together that is um, sealed and you know becomes a covenant. So Anna of herself said to God, I make you this vow. Now, for some people, that may just be the missing link. I've had places, cases in my life where I said to God, do this, I will do this. And it's like God just said, hey, now you are talking. I'm not saying God always does that. But God needed a prophet. Anna needed a son. The sons of Eli, give bless a clap, were corrupt. God needed a prophet. Anna needed a son. Anna said to God, you need a prophet, this paraphrased. I need a son. Give me the son, I will give him back to you. What is that thing that you can discern that God needs? You heard Kobune's testimony. God always needs people to serve him and stop being bench warmers like she put it. I didn't say so. I said so before. But I'm not saying so now. I'm just quoting. Now, always needs to build his kingdom. God always needs. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just giving you tips. God always needs to, to spread the gospel. God always needs to feed the poor. God always needs to take care of the widow. God always needs. Anna made a vow. And for some of us, it's, 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 it's that we've made a vow before. To God. But we have not kept the vow. It's a huge problem, oh. spiritually, from a spiritual standpoint. You've made a vow. I know someone that has said to God, God, I don't know why he made that vow. I don't know, but that was his vow. God, prosper me. I just want to work for X number of years then I'm going to go and become a missionary. I don't know why he made a vow. God prospered him. He got a fantastic job. X number of years passed. He's making cool cash. He comes to me and says, eh, you know, I made this vow to God, but this uh, pepper is sweet. Me, I'm going to leave all these things and I'm become a missionary. I said, who sent you to make the vow? Well, as I know today, it's still, in, it's still working. And I shake my head.
Because Ecclesiastes 4, I don't know if they have that scripture. 5, Ecclesiastes 5, 4 to 7. It says, when you make a promise to God, don't delay. Everybody say, don't delay. And you see, the delay is the deception of the devil in keeping and ensnaring people with, with vows unkept. That delay, oh, it's okay. I mean, ah, come on, look at this. You will do it at this time. Oh, ah, that's not a problem. You do that. That's not Meanwhile, he's speaking against you in heaven. God takes no pleasure in... No, that doesn't sound nice. In fools. Just keep all the promises you make to him. It is better. Everybody say better. It is better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. Don't let your mouth make you sin. Don't defend yourself by telling the temple messenger, the angel, that promise was made, I made you, was a mistake. <laughs> that will only make God angry. And it might wipe out everything you have achieved. Talk is cheap. Like daydreams and other useless activity. Fear God instead. Do we get an amen there? Number three, Anna's attitude. Anna was accused. You know, imagine you going through that much pain. And the person that is supposed to know better, supposed to be spiritual, discerning, a man of God, looks at you and says to you that you are drunk. A lot of people a lot of our ladies, not our ladies, a lot of ladies will curse the guy in her heart. Useless man. He's not even spiritual. Shouldn't he even be able to tell me my prayer points before I open my I mean, arguably so, but not Anna. Read it, verse 12. She was praying. The man said, You must be drunk, verse 14. Throw away the wine. Verse 15, what did she say? Oh no, sir. She even put sir. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged. I was just pouring out my heart. Don't think I'm one of the wicked women. For I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. And the turning point came. Verse 17. And Eli said, in that case, Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked him. What if Anna in her heart has become saucy? Has allowed the pain to make her bitter? You know, hurting people hurts people. And what I have discovered in this walk with God, listen, is that people will react if you're a pastor. People will beef you because they are beefing God. Things that you have not, no hand in, people will dislike you because they dislike God. Because they are angry with God, people will be angry with you. I've seen that many times. And, you know, and God will say, by that, no, don't mind him, don't mind that. It's not you, it's me. And this was Eli. It was like God representative, like a pastor. If her heart was in the wrong place, she would have been nasty. She can call him later and apologize. 
Now, you know, Eli, I was really nasty there. Okay, Pastor Eli, I was really nasty there. Please don't be angry. It was just how I was feeling. But what is gone is gone. Praise the Lord. Finally, Anna's response. When Eli made that statement, Anna said, Oh, thank you, sir. She exclaimed. Then she went back and began to what? To eat again. When this season is over and we've secured help from heaven, we will go back rejoicing and we will eat again. <sighs> and she was no longer sad. You see, but the problem is that people fear evil significantly more than they accept good. So, if some mad guy, maybe a herbalist that is dressed in his regalia, comes to an average person and curses the person, most people will believe it and they will be troubled. But If a pastor says, you are blessed in Jesus' name, most people believe it, but they don't really believe it as much as they believe the cause. God wants us to turn that around. Anna just listened to him and said, thank you, sir. And she ran and she rejoiced and her story changed. God is saying to you, I'm going to send you help from heaven. Praise the Lord. Do you believe? Is anything too hard for God? Think about it. I want to think about what you're going through. Is anything too hard for the Lord? He said he will send you help from heaven. Is anything too hard for him? Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. I want us to think about that question. Is anything too difficult for God? Am I going to believe God? Am I going to keep doubting? Or am I going to keep shifting? Am I going to keep... Or am I going to believe God? I don't know what it is. It could be your marriage. It could be your finances. It could be your health. And if you are here, you are like, I don't even know God. I don't even know the God of heaven's armies. Pastor, can you pray with me? I want to come into relationship with God. Yes, I want to pray with you. Or you are saying, well, Pastor, I am backsliding. I used to be with God, but I am backsliding, Lord. Pastor, is there hope for me? Yes, there is hope for you. You can come back today. I want to pray with you. If any of those two categories, don't you come forward, wherever you are seated. Pastor, pray with me. I want to strike a relationship with God afresh. I want to start a relationship with God.
Put up your hand now over your head. Quickly. God bless you. Put up your hand. Put up your hand. Well, God bless you. Over your head. God bless you over there. God bless my sister. God bless my brother. Over your head. Keep the hand up. God bless you. Right there. Right there. God bless you. Over here. God bless you. God bless you over there. Right there. At the, at the middle. God bless you. I can see that hand. Keep it up until they slip a card in your hand. That is me. Pastor, God bless you. Right there, my brother. God bless you. That is me. That is me. Put up that hand before God. Before God. God bless you. Once you have the card, you can put down your hand and, and cry to God. Come and have your way in me. The rest of us, let's, let's just talk to God. Think about that thing. What is that thing? What is that thing? Is it too hard for God? Is it too hard for God? That's the question to you today. Is it too hard for God? My help. My help. My of life afresh. Let their work with you be real and tangible. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord.